1: Are you thinking about switching careers? Are you hungry to do work that actually matters? And what's the best mindset for taking big risks? Today, the tables are turned and you're going to hear master coach, author, and speaker, Steve Chandler, interview me about how I left my old company to become a coach,
0: how I got out of a professional tailspin, and how I fell ass backwards into hosting
1: the New Man Podcast. In a world of noise and information overload, Steve Chandler's newsletters and audios are some of the few things I read and listen to these days. When he asked to interview me for his Wealth Warrior program, I was honored. I highly recommend his programs and books, which you can find at stevechandler.com. I thought sharing this interview would be a change of pace and a fun way to keep things fresh. Let's get started. Here's Steve Chandler.
2: So, trip give me give me a little bit of biography for you tell me uh a little bit of your background tell me your biographical story that leads up to what you're doing now
1: okay well i i think that everything just started with creativity i was a creative kid i um and that led me to go to art school at uh at florida state and and i remember <clears throat> i was happily enjoying my college life and my uh my guidance counselor said, you know, you're going to graduate next semester. And I was, uh, I really felt sheer terror in that moment because I knew I would starve a few months after that. Yeah. And so I had a passion for telling stories and, and, you know, creating with video and film. And so I, I went into that program and then uh, five months after graduating, I, I started a, a media production company. I was too young to realize how bold and crazy that was and because I mm-hmm. was used to, I was used to being broke so I took out a loan and bought all this equipment and and um and it worked out it it took off but I figured well the worst that would happen is I'd be broke again and I'd be like my other friends that were broke too so it wasn't I didn't I really wasn't that scared of it but um 12 years into that I guess a little bit before but I I had that company for 12 years and um I basically used that company to to fund my musical dream my my musical desire so I could play and record and do whatever I wanted and I kind of did the 4 hour work week thing before Tim Ferris had written that book and um was able to travel all around and and play music and and just enjoy life in a really uh pretty free fashion as a 20 something year old single guy and um and then, but, the, but I started to realize something was missing. And I went through a, a really major uh, emotional slash spiritual breakthrough in my, in my later 20s and was really curious about that. And it just expanded my mind and my heart and my, the way I saw the world so much. And, I, and so I was like, well, I, I want to know more about what happened. I want to know more about, I want to help other people do that too. And so I didn't know anything about coaching, I didn't think that existed. But, um, I was I started to slowly get into that. Well, I don't think I did it slowly. I just started diving into that, going on meditation retreats and, you know, meeting Ken Wilbur and starting to work with Ken Wilbur and you know, I just dove in head first into all these different areas and um realized that whatever I was gonna do, it was gonna be, you know, basically expanding that canvas of creativity to people's lives. You know, my own life was becoming this yeah. work of art, but now I wanted to help other people look at their uh, at their lives and say, what do you want to create? We get one shot at this, so let's let's make it something extraordinary. And um, yes. that that was the start of coaching. It was something that I felt saved my life, uh, in maybe not so much in a literal sense, but in a figurative sense of just saving the 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 quality of life that I had. And I, you know, I was just already kind of coaching anyway. Until somebody said, you know, you could get paid for this. It's called coaching. And I was like, wow, what is that? And and so I started doing coaching trainings here and there and moved out to Boulder and uh, sold my business and went through a dark night of the soul for years and trying to figure out who I was and what I really wanted to do and battling a lot of demons in that regard. We can go into that. But, um, uh, you know, the new man was born out of that. I do a podcast called The New Man and and it's basically this huge question of, you know, what is it? to How do you make these big transitions in your life? What does it mean to be somebody that doesn't just chase money? or who they're supposed to be in life or what they should do, what they've been told to do. What, what's beyond that? Because there wasn't a lot of that discussion going on. And, and, um, you know, here I am today, I'm still coaching and still having those, those big conversations.
2: Yeah. And your podcasts are great. The, the new man podcast, I recommend to all of our members and people who are listening to this, that you check out trip Lanier, And we'll put that trip on our email to everybody. Okay. We'll put a link to that. And so tell me about what kind of music when you were playing music when you were younger, what kind of music did you play?
1: Oh, the louder, the harder, the better. I, I loved I loved hard rock. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. I think our only fans when we were in high school were the police because they were the only guys that were coming by to tell us to to turn it down and yeah. um, but I there was something about coming home from school and just just practicing for five, six hours a time I would just get lost in that flow state it was It was just wonderful
2: well uh, you, you mentioned the dark night of the soul, and it's funny to me that that almost every entrepreneur, everybody who's really creative financially in life, when they can link their creativity to their financial income and their wealth production that's when things really get good now I know Brian. Johnson talks about this, and he talked about it on his podcast with you, which I've listened to a number of times, and there's something about um, doing what you love for a living that if, if you can find that and really serve people profoundly, but most people who do this, including Brian, including Steve Jobs, and so many people have had that dark night of the soul, have had that really crushing uh kind of self-doubt or why am i even here or should i even be here so tell us a little bit about yours if you don't mind
1: yeah i you know i i had um basically created my identity you know i was this guy that was the weekend rock star kind of thing and i had a successful small business and i my ego i love that self-image i loved this this part of me and and loved presenting that to the world. And I, I'm probably in a similar situation now, if I be totally honest. I, I love the way that this you know, is, is shaping up for me. So, But the dangerous part is when I chose to walk away from that, there was a sense of like, well, who am I if I'm not doing these things? I'd attached my uh, self-worth to what I did. And I think that yeah. that was a really uh, that's, I learned a big lesson about that. And, and I think is, at least when I work with men, a lot of us are trained to kind of do that. We know if we're not doing well in work or we're not doing this or that, we, we tend to attach our self-worth to that. And, um, so that was, that was a thing of like, well, geez, I've given up, given up my identity in these places. Well, what do I stand for? What do I really want? And, um, I'd always been really certain about Things you know, I knew what I wanted to study when I went to school. I knew what I wanted to do as soon as I got out of school. I always had this knowing, and going into that place of uncertainty and sitting in that place and just cooking in it was really difficult. And I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of empathy and compassion for the person that might be listening right now and sitting in that place and just going, I don't know, I don't know. And you've got some really powerful. Um, ways to, to handle that. I wish that I'd have, had known you years ago. But I, there was a there was a, a real.
2: Well, well, I wish I had known me years ago too.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we all we, we all needed comment. Steve Chandler years ago. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, well, at least the things we teach. Yeah. Yeah. The things we teach. Absolutely.
1: But I think that uncertainty and, of of who am I was was
2: really at the core of it. And yeah. So so then tell me about so you you mentioned Ken Wilber and things like that so. Meditation retreats. Did that give you a more expansive feeling about who you really were and what was open to you creatively?
1: Yeah, I think before I had that, I got into that world. I I had, you know, I'd lost my mother when I was 13. I didn't, it was very sudden. It was very unexpected. I had a lot of shame about it. I, I didn't deal with it at all. And she took her own life. So I, I, didn't, I didn't deal with it. I, I just pushed it away and acted like it didn't happen. I, and I think I did it out of survival. It wasn't very conscious of me. I did, it wasn't like I was battling yeah. this stuff and trying to push it down. It just was like, okay, that just, that just happened. Let's move on. But what I noticed where it was really taking a toll was that I wasn't curious about the world. I, I was much more in a controlling or defensive posture. I didn't really... I wasn't really open to other people's ideas and so yeah. I didn't read a lot of books. I wasn't a real student of anything. I, I was very creative, but it was very much my own world as a very singular focus. I, I just would say I had, you know, a good, you know, decade of my head up my butt. So it wasn't until I had this experience and I'd gone through it and I started to grieve and I started to have all these other experiences of, of my own personal life that I started to go, wow, what else is out there? What else is available? I've been sticking my head in the sand because all of this stuff has been scary to me. Now I want to, I want to devour it. I want to, I want to know what that's all about. And so, you know, I I started studying Eastern philosophy and transformative practices, and you know, eventually, if you're going down that road, you're going to run into Ken Wilber.
2: Yes, absolutely, and a lot of and the uh, when you were talking about shame around your mother's suicide one of the things I found in my own life and the life of my clients is the real problem is taking things personally Mm. in business or in private life, taking things personally, like as if um, they're happening to you and you might have had some control over it and all that, as opposed to allowing things to be as they are, which is a completely different approach to life. Mm. And a lot of people think when you allow things to be as they are, you'll become passive, mm. and you'll just be lazy, and you'll be eating donuts and watching uh, the Florida State team play on TV <laughs> all day. But but actually, uh, allowing things to be as they are gives you so much more creative freedom and energy to, to create the business you want and the life you want, because you're not against anything anymore. You're not... Taking anything personally. Yeah. And and has that been your experience as well?
1: Yeah. I think when I, when I, after I went through that experience, you know, I went through a place where I lost like 35 pounds. And I, I think there was a weight that was lifted, you know, emotionally and mentally as well. But I, I remember walking around feeling like I was no longer trying to contain an 800 pound gorilla in a trash can, that so wow. much of my energy. Was spent trying to make sure that conversations didn't go towards a place where I would be vulnerable, that I wouldn't be asked certain questions, or if they did, I could quickly kind of do some aikido or judo or something. I was in that constant place instead of let's let's just whatever happens happens. It's cool. Yeah. And so that yeah. that yeah. form of defensiveness just kills creative energy. It kills that. That place, of like, wait, we'll we'll figure it out as we go, and and so I think it, I think it's what keeps a lot of people on the sidelines, telling themselves they need the perfect plan or they need to have it all figured out before they go in, because at least for me, I didn't see that I would be okay if something happened, if something came along. I, I didn't have that that line in my head that says, you know what, if something comes along, you're going to be able to respond, you're going to be able to do something, you, you'll you'll be fine.
2: Yeah. What gave you the idea for the new man podcast? I it wasn't my idea. I was
1: I didn't know anything about podcasts. I was coaching some young guys that had started this podcasting network company. I was living in Boulder at the time, and I was coaching these guys. They said, you know, you should have your own podcast. And I had a friend that worked at the at the at the company too, and he he echoed that. I was leading some men's groups and doing some stuff, and I was like, well, if I if I do it, I don't want to have to. I don't want any any censorship. I want to be able to have the conversations I want to have. And they were like, "Whatever, you have free reign. It's it's totally cool." And so, I I it, there's a huge lesson that I took away from that, which was at that time, I was really trying to forecast the perfect thing ahead of me. I really wanted to find the plan that was the quote unquote right plan or the right way. And what I learned from that experience was that I could have never imagined enjoying a podcast or having a podcast be such a big influence on so many other people in my own life and having such an impact on my life that what i took away from it was that quit trying to have the perfect plan going forward just get in the game get in the game stay engaged um i was showing up as my best self the best that i could i was helping people the best way that i could and I was just out there. I was mixing it up and talking to people, and then that's when opportunities show up. But I, I think up to that point, there was a part of me that wanted to have it all figured out, and I was waiting to get in, into the game. You know, waiting for that perfect thing to arrive. And I, I think I wasted a lot of time and, and spent a lot of years worrying, uh, trying to trying to forecast all that could be. But the podcast, I basically fell ass backwards into the podcast, and um fortunately unfortunately, however you want to look at it the the podcasting company went 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 south and I inherited the show and it's it's uh it's been a hit
2: yeah big hit and really worth listening to even if you're a woman it's called the new man but it addresses so many issues that uh my female clients today are wrestling with because uh what you mentioned earlier about Men not thinking they're worth anything if their if their careers aren't succeeding, and uh, there are a lot of women like that these days. With exactly the same, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm taking classes at night, and I'm doing part time business, and I feel unfulfilled. I feel like I should be doing something worthwhile. Yeah, and uh, it's it's I think it's a common thing. So I recommend that women are women allowed to listen to it uh we do allow women we have
1: we have we've let the drones you know you know relax and and yes of course women are are allowed to listen to it and uh i i would i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised if uh if if half the audience is women i get a lot of emails from women and and how appreciative they are yeah
2: yeah and and you've had such interesting guests on there uh and And so you also coach people, I notice, and there's a section on your website about uh, inviting coaches to come on there and talk to you, especially if they have fear of selling or money things so So let's move it over to the area of money and a lot of the times with this group, we talk about um money fears that we inherit in childhood, and you you mentioned that you were afraid of starving and things like that and going broke, but at the same time, part of you was okay with being broke. So talk a little bit about about money and how you help clients with their money issues if they have them.
1: I think that the, the big issues that I see that are when, at least for a lot of people that I work with, they they've already been able to make money in some other capacity that was true for me when i was doing my media production company i made good money and i didn't have a problem with that per se it was when it was there i believe there's like this this circle outside is when when our offering or our the value of what we do gets more and more personal instead so it's not such a brand anymore it's i'm going to work with trip or i'm going to work with steve chandler the the that what I noticed for people, and what I noticed for me, is that when it got more personal, that's where the contraction happened. And because, and you talked about this so much, maybe it's it's around these ideas of rejection. But who wants to go up against anything that tests this idea of "Am I worthwhile?" or "Do I have anything valuable?" And right. I, I, you know, a story that I I like to tell is that. I was I had the podcast was doing well but I couldn't quite get the pieces together on the coaching. I had a really big audience but I I just could, I couldn't understand why why the coaching thing wasn't going as well as it should and I was starting to really feel the pressure. We had a we had a baby on the way and we were going to leave Boulder and that meant my wife wasn't going to be she was going to give up her practice and I remember just feeling this immense pressure and like why isn't this working, you know? Why are you forsaking me, You know, shaking my fist at the sky and, and wanting something to come along and save me? And I remember I, it was a Christmas evening and I was sitting there and I was having a drink with my father and he told me, he said, look, I listen to your podcast. And I remember feeling like, oh gosh, I didn't want I didn't, that was really vulnerable. I didn't want my dad listening to my podcast because I, you know, I didn't want him to re- judge me or whatever. I didn't think he was the guy right. that would listen to my show. And then he said, you know, I get your emails too because I write these emails. And then he looked at me, he says, I don't know why anybody would give you any money. And really? I I felt this punch, like it just, it hurt. And I, but, but I took it personally. That was the mistake. Huh. I took it personally. Yeah. I don't know why anybody would give you money. But if, I remember at, we talked a little bit after a while and I stumbled and I remember my mouth was dry and I was just whatever. And I just went to bed and I lay there and I stared at the ceiling and my heart was just racing and I and then I kept playing what he said over and over. He says, "I don't know why anybody would give me money." And I realized he doesn't understand the value. And if he's right. listening to the podcast and he's reading my emails, he's not getting it. I'm not translating the value. I'm not communicating what this is really about. And I I took that information. You know, I think the day after Christmas, I start. I rewrote some emails, and I within two weeks, I I filled my practice. That. That conversation shifted so much for me. I was afraid to make a bold offer. I was assuming people knew things so i didn't have to be vulnerable in saying that for them or yes. asking for them um, but that that did so much for me and so instead of taking it personally or after I took it personally and said you know it helped me see okay i've got some explaining to do i've got some I've got some experiences to deliver i've got've got to i've got to bridge this gap
2: I love that I love what you did with that because in a, in a way, uh, he was telling the truth and and I know a lot of people in our field, and it applies to other forms of business as well, when they're not getting paid enough, they're not making the income they want, and they're not getting the clients or the customers they want, I, I will ask them, um, what does your client, what are they basing their decision to hire you on? What, have you given them enough? Mm. To, to go by, or what are they basing their decision on? And if a person can't come up with a good answer, and was like, well, I've networked with them, I've given them a proposal, well, that's not good enough. Because the world is full of proposals and networking and branding and people getting in your face. And, and that's not good enough. You have to, these days, you have to really, really give some somebody something to go by and something to base their buying decision on where they feel very confident they're making a good decision now that you've given them all this material to base it on Mm. or all this contact with you to base it on. So Mm. I love what you're in in a way, you know, I felt the punch in my stomach of my father. My father would say little things like that to me once in a while. And, and that was back in my drinking days. I would just go get drunk and get angry, mm-hmm. but I love what you did with it and how you you saw the truth in it and uh, he he was really right. You can have great podcasts, great emails, but it still doesn't make me know that I would like you to coach me.
1: Yeah, and that was his message wasn't there wasn't, a, there wasn't yeah. anything slight in there at all and and I, I'm so appreciative that, of that conversation. I don't know if that was his intention or whatever. But um, yeah, that was, that was, it was a huge turning point for me. But I, if there's anything it recognized, where am I holding back? Where am I scared to do X, Y, Z? And to this day, yeah. it's always, the answer is always right behind that. Okay, there's some, there's some place where I'm holding back, and, and I'm waiting for somebody else to figure it out so I don't have to be the one. And okay, if I can find that spot, then okay, I, then I've got a choice. I can do something about it now.
2: Yeah, that's really great. What what a wonderful way to to take something and use it to your advantage instead of be take it personally and be wounded and hurt by it. Yeah. So so tell me more about. Um, you left a business that was making good money, or at least bringing in good income, and and you walked away from it. Talk about the um, what had you do that.
1: So I started that company. It was a video production company, which meant that um, we did motion graphics and TV commercials and TV programs. I, you know, from I did shows for ESPN for years, and we did some regional and national commercial stuff. And but I started that company five months out of college. I, I just was it was on a whim. I wasn't thinking any any real further of like how am I going to pay to get this new guitar. You know how am I going to pay to do this and that? It was very reactive, and yeah. my I I started to feel the the plane level out at a certain altitude of my life, and as I was getting into my later twenties, and I could feel like, wait a second, I I can see what my life will look like ten years from now, twenty years from now. Is this okay with me? Is this what I want to do? And there was a there was a growing gap, there was a growing divide between the conversations I was wanting to have. And the work that I really cared about, the stuff I was really passionate about, which was personal development and transformation, and then the work that I was doing. More and more the work that I was doing was in the political realm. We were getting hired by these consultants that were writing these commercials that should have been on Saturday Night Live. It's like if you believed these commercials, you were an idiot. But they were they were these terrible things like, you know, Joe so-and-so wants to release prisoners so they can go out and rape your children and all that, you know, like don't vote for him. Yeah, like yeah. it was like if anybody believes this stuff, that you know, this is comedy. But I I realized that I was part of a machine, I was choosing to be part of a machine that was tearing people down. And I worked for both sides. It wasn't a political, it wasn't the political views, it was just I didn't want to do this work anymore. And I kept telling myself, yeah. you know what, this is the last cycle. I'm done. And then I'd go another cycle. And every time I would feel that that just pit in my stomach of I'm out of alignment and this is draining me and this is exhausting and so um I once I realized I, I started learning more about coaching and and just that there was this whole other life I I knew that that was for me I didn't have all the pieces together which was really scary for me but I just knew I knew what the traje- the current trajectory was and that wasn't acceptable for me anymore and so I I I pulled the pin and and sold my house and sold my sold the business and, and then uh, went into free fall.
2: Well, by free fall, do you mean you did nothing at all? Or did you, ha- did you head up to Boulder and look up Ken Wilber and yeah, I try was, to find something?
1: I was already out in Boulder and I was already mixing it up. I, I was very fortunate to be connected to a lot of people that were, you know, it was ground zero for so many really, really uh, ex- happy and cool, exciting things that were happening. So I just knew... All right, there's going to be a way for me to, to mix it up and provide value and find the next thing here, whether I'm a coach or some kind of consultant or I get pulled into some company to do XYZ. Um, I, I, just, I was already in that world and, and so I could feel the opportunities and there were little things here and there. And, um, but I didn't have like a coaching certification and my website ready or anything. Like I, there was nothing ready to go, but I was already doing coaching trainings and that kind of thing. But yeah, there wasn't, yeah. There wasn't, the pie wasn't out of the oven.
2: So, so you you mention um, Ken Wilber and meditation and things like that. So, what effect has that kind of thing had on you? What your uh, the hollow bones you mentioned? And I love I love that guy, that wild man love? who leads that. Yeah, he, he, he I've read his books, his cones, and everything. He's he's really inspiring. So, how how did you find those things?
1: Well, you know, they all kind of lead to one another. They're all part of the same string. So, you know, that was the yeah. beauty of living in Boulder and, and and hey, you got to meet Junpo. And it was like, oh, okay, we'll invite him over. And then Junpo would come over. You know, he'd come over with a friend and we'd sit on the deck and watch the sunset and have a beer. And I'm like, is this guy really a Zen master? Like, I don't, you know, and you dig into his story and you realize that he was you know, on this whole huge LSD thing out in San Francisco for years and went to prison and like did this, I'm just amazing story. And then this heavy, 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 uh, lineage, you know, part of becoming the lineage for this Zen stuff. And I, you know, it's just, just wild how it was. It's kind of like the cantina in star Wars, all these crazy characters, (laughs) they're all out there. And so all you have to do is just kind of pull up and start talking. And, and chances are, if you're curious enough and bold enough, you're gonna you're gonna be sitting down with a few few of these guys.
2: And you're gonna find a whole new way of life because it's amazing how personal development, how people different people discover it, that they're they're not really locked in to what their parents and what their schools taught them about how to proceed into adulthood. They're not really locked into that. They have so many more options. We have so many more choices than we're aware of in life. Always, in every situation, there's so many more choices that, that are there that we don't even... We're, we're so narrow-cast for so long until we start opening up and and really finding out how what we can be and who we can be and what we can really do. Mm, and man. And... I love it the year's story reflects that, and I had a fairly similar thing i was I owned an ad agency, and we made commercials and things like that and uh i was I was not financially very successful going through all kinds of trouble, and somebody handed me a Napoleon Hill book and said, Listen, success is not that hard to figure out, not that hard to be successful." If you learn certain principles and you won't learn them in school, mm-hmm. they won't teach those to you because they don't know them and so I read Napoleon Hill, and then one thing led to another and like you say, once you get started on the path of personal growth, transformation, personal development, whatever you want to call it, it just expands and expands and expands and it gets it gets more exciting every. Everywhere you go, and, and then if you're really wide open, you can even read a Ken Wilber book. So,
1: <laughs> well, I uh, I went down a road. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you went down this road too, because Brian Johnson helped me see a blind spot that I had. Um, yeah, he called me a personal development jackass, and oh, what God. that is, <laughs> what that is 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 when what I realize is I a, a a driver the shadow side of of my a lot of my curiosity, a lot of the reason why I went into personal development so much was that there was a part of me that was young enough or naive enough to believe that if I learn this stuff, then I can escape feeling scared. I can escape feeling vulnerable. I can escape feeling out of control. And there, so I, I wasn't maybe that conscious, but there was a part of me that was like, why am I still feeling scared from time to time? Why am I still having challenges with this. why I thought that it was going to be done. Like I'm going to get to this top of this mountain, like one of these bald guys in a black robe and I'm going to be done. And, and I would meet these guys in the ball, these bald guys in black robes and they'd be certified Zen masters and they would still have huge problems in their family life and all this. And it was really a letdown. And, and, um, cause I, I was seeking this, um, uh, Phil Stutz wrote a great book called the tools and he calls it exoneration. That we're seeking yeah. this place whether we make enough money or we get enough status or we get enough of whatever fill in the blank, then we'll be free. We'll be done from this whole thing. And so I I don't know, I was fumbling through something one day. Brian was helping me out with something and, and he was like, you know, quit being a personal development jackass. And I was like, it just it just lit me up. And I was like, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to run away instead of uh, actually, go deeper into my experience. I, have you ever, have you ever done that and kind of gone down that road? Or am I oh, the yeah, only yeah, one? Yeah.
2: Okay. No, you're not the only one. And, uh, but but that's part of how it just gets better and better for me because it includes being human. It 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 can include, like Ken Wilber says, include and transcend. Right. So that yes, you still have problems but the problems become more like what you described with your father. So it used to be that I would have, that somebody would say something like that, like, I don't know how why anyone would pay you for what you do, and I'd be hurt, I'd be wounded, I'd be resentful, I'd be angry, I might even be vengeful in a subtle way, mm-hmm. like I won't return his calls for a year, or something like that. But, but now, uh, learning... in in real deep personal development, learning to take those things and convert them into something I can really use instead of of allowing them to be the truth about life and labeling them as unfair and unconscionable that he would say that. That's not fair to me. Mm. And, And to drop all that labeling and drop all that judgment through practice Yeah the practice of not having a problem with anything, and and then from that position, creating the life you want and creating the relationships you want. Yeah, and, and that's what I love about the work we do and the work you do and the people you interview, is you can tell, you can tell with Brian, that he's not a guy walking around wounded and with his feelings hurt all the time. He's He's really beyond that jackass stage where you sort of use personal development like you say, and I did it too as a way to bypass being human. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I—that's I, one of the things that gets kind of scary. Is I get emails from people; they—they they love the show, they love what I do, and—and and I see them on that path. And—and and so I talk about the personal development jackass quite a bit, so they can start to get the lay of the land. Like that, eh, you know, keep an eye out for this. Keep an eye out for that part of you that's actually. Um, your your world's getting smaller, or you're removing yourself from the world more and more by using these tools as rules or whatever. Um, but it's basically right, right. basically life's becoming less rich, um, less oppor- there's less opportunity, etc.
2: Yeah, because you've got a, a new collection of shoulds. Like I, sh- I know I should be positive about this. I should this, and you've got a new context called positive thinking or something, and now right. you have fresh material to shame yourself with. And um that's never useful. And I I've helped clients or the clients who really make a breakthrough are always looking for what's useful. Mm-hmm. Like you with the story of your father, you found what was useful in what he said. Not you weren't looking for is he right? Is that fair to say? Is it true? And you even said you don't even know his true motivation. I mean, he might not have been trying to wake you up to something better. He might have just been kind of grouchy. Yeah, yeah. For all you know. For all I know. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. my my friends and I we used to joke around when we'd be in the studio or making something. That, when we were in the band and like if something didn't didn't quite go our way, we used to tell each other, "Use it, use it tonight. When you're on the stage, like let it let it light a fire under your butt." And I, I yeah, that's maybe cool. that's that's a that's a good thing as a different reframe. You know, from early on, it was like, all right, something comes your way, use it. Figure out a way to make it use constructive. It. Yeah.
2: That, and that's what what real performers do: stand up comedians. Something happens in the audience, use it. Yeah. Something happens in your life, use it. Yeah. And, but we can all do that. Yeah. Improv. That's, that's the whole basis stand-up. of
1: improv, right? Improv is all about. Yeah. It. Be a yes. Yeah, it is. Be a yes. Whatever shows up,
2: yeah. You use whatever whatever life gives you, hmm. and, and it's also true with um, great p- people in sports. You just use what's occurring on the field and you use that to advance the ball and etc. We don't believe in our standard education, and our standard um, traditional upbringing. We're not given any of those tools. And I'm glad you mentioned the book, The Tools. I love to recommend books on this program, but you mentioned uh, Phil Stutz, so I re- recommend that book. It is yeah, Barry Michaels such a breakthrough.
1: The, Barry Michaels is the other uh,
2: author of that. Yeah, Barry Michaels, Phil Stutz. It's just called The Tools. Five tools to help you find courage, creativity, and willpower and inspire you to live life in forward motion. Well, I, I'll sign up for that. Yeah, Great book.
1: And I, I did an interview so, with them. Phil Stutz should be a a stand-up comedian. I mean, he's a
2: riot. You should, you
1: know, listen to that interview. He's a really
2: funny guy. So, so, um, are you learning from the interviews you do for your podcast? Are they, are they, um, helping you with your own work as a coach and teacher?
1: Absolutely. I, you know, I don't, I only do interviews that I'm inspired to do that I'm genuinely curious about. And so that that may be why there there may be a few months before I do an interview and um, but there's just something whenever I, I get an idea or I'm challenged by a client or I'm challenged by something happening in my personal life then it's like oh who can oh, who can I learn from and then I just have this I'm Really fortunate to have this thing. Like, hey, would you mind coming and talking? And I get to a- ask the questions that are really going to make a difference for me because I know I'm not the only guy. So, oh yeah. yeah so right. it, it's uh, I usually that's that's the main driver. It's Like, why would I want to talk to this person? Because uh, I'm 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 challenged by something. I I want to I want to get over this hump too. I want to figure out how they did it.
2: Exactly. So, in our remaining five minutes or so, tell me um, if you could say something to somebody listening to you right now thinking, well, you know, Tripp sounds like he's really smart and he's lucky. He's got stuff all figured out now. What about me? I'm kind of confused. I don't know how to really create wealth in my life. What would you say to someone listening to you and me right now?
1: I would say, first is just what the attitude, right? It's like, the oh, poor me. The the, the kind of cloud over it. Um, What do you need to do to have more fun? What need? What do you need to do to to kind of raise that part of things up, where this can become a game, this can become a little more intriguing, and and um, just start to use a different part of the brain that that's that can have fun. When I'm having fun, um, I'm just way more creative. I, there's just a, a different side of me. When I'm kind of poo pooing around, it's 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 really hard. It feels hard, and it and it wastes a lot of energy. So. I I usually like to just ask questions that would help help the guy orient that his challenge in a way where um he's having fun again, where he's curious yes. about it. I was coaching a coach the other day and and he's kind of really down about this whole marketing thing. He really just wanted to say he was a coach and then that would be it and people would come running and and so I was like, "Well, how can we make this a game where you 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 tell people about what you do and and da, da 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 and when we got into this place and by the end of the call he was really fired up and in this happy place and like challenged and, and so that's that's the first part is where can this be fun and he was he was anticipating yeah. wanting to get off the call so he could go do some of this stuff and I think that that's a huge part of it um, and the other part of it is uh, where are you curious I I think that our curiosity and our this these hunches that we get are invaluable. As artists, they lead us into places, they lead us into the greatest, weirdest places. They, we don't know where they're gonna go, but they usually bear huge, you know, amazing fruit. And so I I love to just tap into where are you curious? Uh, really curious. Like if you weren't afraid, this is what you would want to learn. If you weren't afraid and you weren't of, of what other people might think this is what you would want to read or go into, I love to to tap into that part of them and get it out in front because most of the time they're doing what they think they should do or what they they're supposed to do therefore they're not really engaged in it they're not giving it their all and it's just it feels like you know they're just dragging you know pushing a rock up a hill so i like right. to embrace that curiosity you never know where it's going to lead you but like like what happened with my podcast you know how i how i stumbled into being in a podcast it was where i was fully engaged and fully lit up and curious that these opportunities can and you know you're 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 available and you're standing at the plate when the ball comes over the plate. So,
2: um,
1: I think those are the two big things. Where where you feel curious too. and engaged I, and fun? Yeah,
2: yeah, I love those two. And i I really think one of the ways that people that I work with and I myself have increased income, increased clients coming in, is to increase curiosity, not just about life in general, but about certain people. So uh, if I'm thinking about coaching somebody and they're thinking about working with me, I want to find out more about them. I want to ask them a lot of questions. And uh, the more curiosity, and, and what I tell coaches in our coaching schools, you don't want to be like one of these salespeople or marketers or branding experts. You want to be like Sherlock Holmes, Use that for your role model. Mm. You want to find things out about your prospective client. You want to be really deeply curious about his life and what motivates him and his emotions and what he really wants or what she really wants. That curiosity is, is going to find things where you can help the person. And it's also going to connect you to the person in profound ways because people love people who are curious about them, who are genuinely curious. And it shows up as love and it shows up as connecting and caring. So I love that you identified that that that's a real missing piece for most people,
1: and there's a vulnerability and, there. I, you know, I, I yeah, it, it's just that I, I believe curiosity and defensiveness are kind of two sides of this vulnerability coin. like we we uh-huh. um we can either be curious or we can it we can't be curious and defensive at the same time. like genuinely curious. Right. And there's something about being in that attitude, which I think you embody really well. Just what do I want to learn? And when I found out you were still hiring coaches, and you hired a friend of mine as a coach, I was blown away. It's like if you're the the Steve Chandler, shouldn't you be done or whatever? I remember that that I was like, oh no, because he's still curious, he's still learning. Of course, he's not defending this idea of who Steve Chandler is and should be, and that whole projection. Now that's a story I have about you. all own that. But I, what I took away from that, I was like, yeah, follow that curiosity instead of who am I supposed to be and how do I make sure I look a certain way and da-da-da-da-da. Like, go learn.
2: Right. Yeah, I think the worst thing you can do as a coach or any other profession where you're enrolling people or selling people is try to make an impression of some kind. That's the worst thing you can do. Mm. And I'm always looking for new teachers, new coaches, even though I have a great ongoing lifetime coach, Steve Harrison that I work with constantly, but I also look for new teachers, new, new people all the time. And it is so exciting to be taught something. And you're right, it's vulnerable. You have to dr- to learn anything, you have to drop your ego completely. Or you really won't learn anything. You'll just be defending yourself.
1: I think it's a fear of sucking. Most people the learning process means we start at a certain level. We don't want to go back to being the toddler fumbling around. We don't like to see ourselves be goofy and not know the know the answers. I think that's the hardest part is is are you willing to suck? Um yep. and if it's fun, then why not?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it is fun if you'll try it. And it's so much fun to grow and learn new things. And you have to be bad at it. There's no way to skip that stage. Yeah. Well, Tripp, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Uh, We're going to alert everybody to where they can find your really wonderful podcasts and your website that tells more about you and how you work with people. I appreciate the time you took to be with us.
1: Thank you, Steve. like I said, it was an honor, and uh, I really appreciate it. it's been it's been really fun talking with you. If these interviews are helping you, then please visit the new man on iTunes and leave us a positive review so others can discover the show more easily. Thanks for listening.